Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And in this week's episode, I think we're on 55, uh, it's no different. I'm going to be chatting with Jen Douglas-Craig. Uh, Jen is a vegan coach, climate change activist, um, works for uh, uh, a charity called uh, Coaching for Cause as well, uh, giving webinars out to uh, businesses and uh, folks to uh, become more sustainable in their approach, as well as Jen, uh, uh, as well as Jen doing that, she's also a, a real advocate for uh, kids vegan nutrition, uh, bringing up kids uh, vegan, um, and does some amazing stuff o- o- online to support that cause. Uh, but in this conversation, we chat about all kinds of different things, everything from uh, lockdown to social media, uh, vegan uh, vegan community and the vegan vegan kind of culture. We talk about all kinds of things. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. This is a conversation between me and Jen Douglas-Craig. <laughs> Recently actually was part of a, a podcast where with a friend of mine's daughter. So she's, she's seven and she started her own podcast and she's like what? 26 or 27 episodes in. It's oh my gosh. Yeah, it's got, I, I must send you the link. It's called Gwen Gets to Work. Oh. And the principle of it is, is little Gwen interviews a different person every every week um, from a different field of work that she is kind of interested in. So she's interviewed like... Um, like a cage fighter and like someone who designs Formula One cars. And wow. Yeah, like a chocolatier and like all these different <laughs> like jobs with a kind of view to like, I don't, I'm only seven. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So I'm going to interview a whole bunch of people and find out whether their jobs are any good or not. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> this girl is amazing. She really is. She's on So yeah, so she, she interviewed me because I'm, I'm good friends with her dad. And um, I, was genu- I was genuinely like, you you are already a better podcast. She's, <laughs> she's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you'd love it. Uh, oh, I would. I have to link. check that out. You have to send me a link. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, Jen, uh, tell us a little bit about what, what uh, got you into the world of veganism. What's brought you here? Well, okay. I I mean, I feel like there were so many little moments, like little seeds that were planted that led me to veganism when I look back in retrospect. But I remember a couple of really key moments. Um, This really, well, first off, I just have to say my family, uh, so I'm in the States. My family is Cuban, but both my parents are Cuban. I am first generation Cuban American. And I grew up eating like a ton of meat. I grew up living like a very omnivorous lifestyle. And culturally, I was like, so, I mean, just so into all the Cuban dishes that we make and all the meat dishes. And I, now I'm like, I cannot believe I'm vegan. But I think one of the the biggest defining moments for me was I was nursing my second child. So it's my daughter, Tessa. And she was like nine months, six months or something like that. And I thought to myself, wait a second, if I'm providing milk for my daughter 
and we're drinking cow's milk, like then where are the babies? Where are the cow babies? Where are the calves? And it was just this like lightning bolt kind of idea where I realized that I'd spent my entire life, 30 some years, thinking that like dairy cows were a breed of cow that gave really good milk and that we had to milk them because if we didn't milk them, then they would hurt. And it wasn't until I was experiencing my own nursing that it dawned on me, like, wait a second, milk production doesn't just happen. Milk production happens because there's a baby involved. And so where are the babies? And immediately I knew, like, do not Google that. Like, you do not want to know where the babies are because that can't be good. And I feel like I had... I like as a kid at one point I wanted to be a vegetarian and my parents told me no, because we had to eat meat because that's the circle of life and it's just life. And that animals, you know, they, they live so that we can, we can eventually live, you know, we, it's the circle of life sort of, sort of shtick. And I believed that for a time. And then it was kind of like after that one thought, it felt like all of a sudden, all sorts of opportunities to kind of continue that questioning came into play. Like I had spotted the book Eating Animals at the library just randomly. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just borrow this book. And I read that book and that book, oh my God, that book really changed me. And, um, it made me see everything completely differently. And from then on, I was like, I absolutely cannot continue to live my life like this. Even though at the time I honestly couldn't see myself being vegan, but I also knew that like there were morals and ethics and value systems that I had as an individual that were not aligning with my own actions. And that was really unsettling and disturbing to me. I was like, I can't, I can't live knowing what I know and keep going and doing what I do. Um, and again, it was like this, like these seeds planted one after another where I ended up, um, you know, I would notice vegan dishes on a menu at a restaurant and be like, Hmm. Or, you know, we saw the movie Cowspiracy, my husband and I, one night when the kids were sleeping and my, my husband right after that film was like, we have to go vegan now. We have to do this. Like we're parents, we're raising kids. And I was scared to actually go vegan because of all the social, um, what I thought then were going to be social problems. And I mean, social problems, I mean, like, you know, going to my parents' house for Christmas or, um, going to friends' houses for dinner. How do I navigate these, um, these social situations that I felt were going to be difficult and because I was very much a people pleaser. And I have to say, like kind of jumping the gun here, like I, I, um, have found that it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, um, changing my lifestyle that way socially anyways. And that it, it grew me as a person to set boundaries with people or speak up for myself. It was something that I kind of didn't want to do for whatever kind of, reason, you know, psychological reason of being like, I don't want to rock the boat. Or I had a lot of pride also in, um, being the house guest that would come over and ate anything, you know, being the easy house guest. And it's interesting. Cause when I say that now to people, um, 
when I do webinars or when I'm just talking to other people who've become vegan, they all were like, yeah, I remember also feeling a lot of pride in being that easy house guest who just comes over and they're like, we've made whatever lamb. And you're like, great. Thank you. Yes. I'll eat anything, whatever you serve. I'm an easy house guest. Um, so even though the, my, my example, the lamb example was like the one dish I really didn't like, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how it started. That's how the ball kind of started to roll. Yeah. And uh, I'm really curious as to the, you know, you, you, you said it was relatively kind of easy in terms of like those social situations, but mm. you know, like you, you mentioned there kind of coming from a family where culturally, you know, meat was the, the kind of center of the table. Did you, did, yeah. Did, was, was that yeah. Quite, quite as easy as, as, as you'd said there, or, or was there some skepticism amongst the family? I think, I think when I say it's easy now, it's like, you know, I think part of that is like, I'm looking back on it and being like, it's easy because it's fine now. My family adjusted. But if I were to really, I guess, describe how it went down with my family, it was not easy at first. I don't want to mislead anybody who's like on this podcast and they're considering veganism and they're like, it's going to be a piece of cake. I just tell everybody I'm vegan now and everyone's going to accept me for who I am um, and not ask me any questions about nutrition. And they're not going to um, tell me I shouldn't be vegan because all of that did happen. I'm glad you're asking me to expand on that. I think uh, <laughs> like it's been, I don't know, four or five years now. I really wish I had a vegan anniversary. I didn't really think about it that way. So I don't really remember, but, um, I mean, my parents at first, oh my gosh, my parents at first, like that first Christmas, they were like, oh my God, I think my mom, they were upset. My mom even said like, I, I'm worried you're going to be like one of those PETA people who like throws paint on people's fur coats. <laughs> she said that while crying. Um, so yeah, maybe easy wasn't the right word, but I do have to cut to today and today they're vegan. So oh, wow. it's That's interesting. Cool. I think it felt the easy part was like, once I said it and I stuck by it, I realized that setting boundaries with people wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Their reaction wasn't necessarily what I would have liked their reaction to be. But in the end, it was like, this is what I do now. And there's a part of that that was really empowering for me. But yes, culturally... You know, the interesting thing about Cuban culture and Cuban food is it's like Caribbean style food, right? So black beans and rice, plantains, you've got these, um, like a lot of starchy starches and proteins that like a lot of beans as well as like your meats. So what's interesting about a Cuban diet from a nutritional standpoint is if you take away the meat, you actually have a pretty great like vegan meal left over. So like if I'm making like ropa vieja, which is like this pulled steak thing that I used to love, um, it would always come with like a side of black beans and rice and then like some plantains and then maybe some yuca, which is like a, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like a potato. Um, and so if you just take away the beef, now you've got black beans and sides and rice. And that's a pretty like substantial vegan meal. So it's to change what we ate, um, took some tweaking, but we found that we could actually make a lot of these dishes in a vegan version 
And now it's like beyond meat and impossible and all of these other alternatives. It was great and easy to make some of the meat versions, you know? Um, but yeah, culturally it was like a shock to my parents system. And I, I remembered my mom saying when I was, uh, vegetarian, well, I wanted to be vegetarian when I was like, I don't know, in elementary school, what I mentioned about wanting to be. And she said, it's the circle of life. I remember saying to her after she said the thing about the pita, I was like, you told me I could be whatever I wanted when I grow up. Well, now I am, you know what I mean? It's like this ridiculous conversation because <laughs> my family is pretty like, uh, healthy in our communication. So it was like an explosion of like everybody's feelings and everybody's comments. And, um, you know, on top of that, I think my parents were concerned about my kids. Like, are your kids going to be, um, nutritionally like is it nutritionally for them? Is this going to be okay? And I do have to say, before we get into kids nutrition, um, that my son talk about awkward moments, my son who was four at the time, and he's my oldest child. Um, he turned to them and they were like, he said, are you eating chicken? This was like back when we, when we, this was that first Christmas when everybody was kind of like freaking out. He's like, are you eating chicken? And my mom was like, yes. And he said, you know what they do to the chickens, don't you? They hang them by their feet and they slice wow. their throats. And I was like, oh no. And my mom's <laughs> face was like, what are you telling these children? And, um, and it was again, like another, another moment that, you know, it's interesting to me that we don't want our kids to know what happens. We want them to participate in this very blindfolded sort of way. We think it's okay for them to participate, but they can't know. And when it, when it came to our kids, when we started switching our diet, we switched it very gradually, but we told our kids like exactly what happened. We didn't let them watch footage. We felt like that was too much because they were too young, but we told them, we're like, this is the reason, like, do you think this is okay? We would describe like the chicken thing, I guess, cause he said it. And do you think that's okay to do to another living being? Like, would you want to, would you be okay with that? And he was like, no, that's, that's, that's horrible. And yeah, well, that's why we don't eat that anymore. We know we used to eat it and we know that that's what you're used to, but you know what, when you grow up, as you learn things, you make changes, you're always changing. You're always learning. We learned this. We didn't realize what was going on. And now we're going to make changes. Do you want to be on board? Do you want to join us in these changes? And he was like, yeah. So, but then they get, but then they really wanted to tell everybody the changes and what happens to the animals, which I was ask you about that. sweet. I'm, I'm really like, um, I'm I'm really with that approach, you know, mm. that 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 you know, giving kids that information in an age appropriate way, you know, not necessarily the footage like you say, but but you know, telling the truth about the situation, I think is you know, it's important so that they can understand what it is that we're doing and why it is that we're we're doing something different, mm. uh, and and they can you know feel like they've they've decided that for themselves. I think that's, that's really important too. You know, I mean, it would be maybe a different conversation. He said, no, I think that's perfectly cool, mum. But, but you know, most, most kids aren't going to say that because it's not, you know, um, yeah. but, but in terms of like, I suppose it's interesting, like that point around when they then go out into the world and you, you had that little sort of microcosm of that, I suppose, with, with your mum and they, they then start to say, 
well, this is what happens. They start wanting to tell the the truth to other to other folks. There's sort of there becomes a bit of a, a potential friction point there. <laughs> other kids' parents, like how how have you navigated that? Have you had any of those kind of situations? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I've had so many of those so many of those moments because that is, it's the truth is once you tell your kids the truth and they feel like that's not right. Like you said, we gave our kids the option and they were vegetarian for a long time before they were vegan because they had the option and they were used to certain like kid snack foods. I don't know if you have these types of snack food. You, I'm sure you have a version of these, but like in the U S we have like these like little fish crackers they're like cheese oh, yeah. flavored. Yeah. And my kids were really into those. And every play date they went on, there were always these like fish crackers that everybody had. And, you know, we gave them the opportunity to, you know, I would say like, I don't meet, eat that anymore, but it's up to you whether you choose to eat that. That comes from a cow's milk. Um, and they had already understood the concept that like a cow's milk is for their, the calf. And, um, when you take a cow, when a human takes a cow's milk, we have to take the calf away. And so they had kind of understood this and it, and it took them a while to transition. But what was interesting is as they were transitioning, you know, it was like ruminating in their brains, you know, everything that was going on and they would see like another child eat like, I don't know, like pepperoni pizza. And they would say something like, did you know that they have to kill the pig to get the pizza? And, um, you know, and I, I, at first I didn't know what to say. It was interesting. I have a very good group of mom friends who aren't necessarily vegan and they were like, whatever, just yeah, like, it's fine that he says that because that's actually true. That's a true statement. Although we once were at a birthday party, not a vegan birthday party, just a regular birthday party for another kid. There was pepperoni pizza, and this mom was eating this pepperoni pizza. And, I, and apparently, she came f- to find me later. I didn't see the incident, but she came up and she said, "Your son told me that if I eat this pepperoni pizza, that it's going to lead to heart disease." And <laughs> and my son is like the cutest, most outspoken, really like eloquent child. <laughs> he, he's and he was maybe five at the time. And she said this to me while we're standing in the kitchen, everyone else is in the backyard and there's like maybe six other moms and everybody gasped when she told the story. And I was like, oh, like I just put my hand over my eyes and my forehead and I was like, I'm truly sorry. I hope you were able to enjoy your pizza. And you know, all they like a couple of the moms kind of gave me crap for it. And most of these women, I did not know. I was at a party with like, uh, you know, sometimes you go to parties and it's like other parents you've never met. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, but by the, what's interesting is by the end of the party, every one of those women had asked me for vegan recipes because it started wow. this conversation. They were like, wait, your kid is vegan. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what does he eat? So then I told them a couple of ideas like, oh, well, he kind of eats like he eats stuff like this or he eats stuff like that. And by the end of it, they were like, well, I mean, can you give us some recipes? Like, I'd like to try that. And I would like to get my kids to eat more vegetables or I'd like to get my kids to eat lentils. And um, so it's interesting because we've had several of those moments pop up, but I try to be really nonchalant about it and to kind of um, do like a more of a, an attraction rather than promotion, uh, approach when we're in those types of social situations, because I feel like, um, I've been able to have less defensive conversations when I treat it that way. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, sure. So sort of like almost like the don't double down on the combative sort of nature of it. Like the, <laughs> yes. your, your, your little one's kind of done the... Yes, it's good cop, bad cop. Yeah, it's done the kind of activism and then you can kind of come in with the kind of like, here's some great recipes. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I think it's a pretty good approach to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And my kids are really outspoken. You know what? It's been a balance because like I don't want to squash on them being outspoken about it. Um, at the same time, I want to teach them tact and, you know, uh, I guess respectful language to other people. And that's been tricky. It's been tricky. And now my kids are older. They're like nine and, and almost seven. And they are, um, I don't know, like they will not share that information as freely, but they will talk about why, why they're vegan, especially to other friends, like their own peer groups. I think they've done a good job in kind of um, explaining why, like, they're like, I don't want to hurt animals. This is why I don't eat animals. And, um, I'm pretty proud of them. I think they've done a great job. Cause I remember when I went vegan, I don't know if it was the same for you, but like, I really wanted to tell everyone like, Oh my God, this thing I just found out guys, do you know, do you know what happens? Yeah. I, I sort of equate it. I've got a very bad analogy that I've said a couple of times on the podcast, but I equate it a little bit like new vampires in twilight. (laughs) <laughs> if you've ever seen Twilight. Yeah. So yeah. They kind of like the rest of the vampires have to kind of keep them uh away from the rest of society because they're a little bit too kind of like uh a little bit too um vampire-y. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I sort of yeah, I, I kind of like uh, relate to that when you when you first you know, you first heard this revelation and it's it's kind of like a a matrix moment and then you want to um you want everybody to to go through it. I think it, you know, it comes ultimately from a place of of love, but you do it with a bit of a urgency and a combativeness that maybe isn't received as mm. well mm-hmm. uh, until you've learned some different approaches. You know. Yeah, and I think I think also it's like I just assumed in my enthusiasm that everybody else also wants this information, which they don't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> And you you do right, yeah. You just well, you kind of think everyone else will be able to make the same leaps that you've made, but yeah, I, I do kind of think they like when you. I mean, you 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 put it really wonderfully there, where you kind of talked about your journey and these sort of moments of things popping up, uh, almost like when you start thinking about you know you think about a, a red car and suddenly you see a load of red cars, like you know, is yes. that kind of thing you. you you see, you hear about something to do with veganism and suddenly you see books and then the documentary seems to pop up and everything seems a bit like, where's all this stuff come from? I think um, you kind of, that that journey probably is actually a lot longer than, you know, like when I describe it, I sometimes think, you know, I, I watched Cowspiracy and then overnight and then the next morning I woke up and I and I was vegan. And wow. but I, I think there must have been things that led to, you know, that were, that were sort of germinating in my mind over the course of months and, and years even before. Um, and almost like when we get a bit overexcited when we first become vegans to tell, to tell everyone, you sort of then think, um, like you say, you then think everybody's ready to receive that information, but yeah. maybe they're not quite in the same place just yet. But I'm interested though to get your view on, because th- there's something I think that's, and it may just be, I'm always a bit cautious when I ask questions like this to, to sort of caveat them with, um, 
you know, from the perspective of my social media bubble, because I always <laughs> think, you know, we 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 sort of live in these sort of little bubbles of where we of how we sort of understand the world, if you like. But I do think there's there's a sort of a a push and a pull in the vegan circles that I move in, if you like, that um, are over a, a kind of a an argument over messaging, if mm. you like. So there's a bit of on the one side, and it just reminds me a bit of you know the 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 conversation we were just having there about you know when you when you're young or when you're a new vegan, you're unapologetic. You know you just want f- folks to know what you know, and it's it's the facts. You know it is it is what you've you've learned, and then as you go and go through it, you you learn different ways. You learn some some tact. You make it a bit more subtle sometimes. You, you sometimes you give somebody a recipe. Another time you you might show them some footage. Things that, you know it's different. Um, and there's probably a bit of an argument that I'm seeing that sort of says what why this 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 watering down or sanitization being un you know being apologetic almost is not helpful to the cause if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can. You can combine it with, I don't know, like the likes of KFC or whatever coming out with a vegan option. And it's all kind of, if you like, sanitizing or, or monopolizing veganism and taking it over and, and losing its message. I'd, I'd love to get your view on that, really, and where, where you think that messaging stands. Oh, I love this topic. This is such a great question. I want to see. I want. I also want to hear your answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> to your own question. I think, I think that it's different messaging works for different people is my current take on this. So I think all kinds of messaging is really important because we never know what will really sit right with someone. Like some people are really, um, like the Gary Yarofsky video, like people, lots of people really responded to him, even though, he's very abrasive and he's very, um, direct and he uses language that is, um, black and white about this is right and wrong. And, um, I think that there are other people like, I'm trying to think of who else Well, oh, like the happy pair in Ireland or like deliciously Ella or, um, some of these other people who kind of lure others in through, um, recipes and making the lifestyle look very cool and current. And before you know it, um, all these people are eating a mostly plant-based diet and, um, they didn't even really kind of make a decision on whether or not they wanted to, to do it. They just kind of, uh, I don't know, fell into it in a way without the pressure of like ethics and morals. And I think that, I look at a lot of the people who I think are really great and influential, um, in whatever capacity they do it. Like cheap, lazy vegan is another person I think of on YouTube and she, um, does uh, amazing dishes and they're so accessible and they're so fun and she's so fun. And I think that, um, it's interesting because when I look at myself, like I, and how I became vegan and all the people I listened to in order to finally make that decision. Cause I remember I finally made a decision where I was like, yes, I have to do this hundred percent. Like I cannot skirt this line of being mostly vegan or being vegetarian because it didn't sit right with me to, um, to not go all the way. But I was, I didn't want to 
I didn't want to label myself for some reason. I really think it goes back to the social thing. I talk about the social thing a lot because I think it's what messes up a ton of people. I think that it's, um, I think that being worried about going to your parents' house or being worried that like, um, you know, you'll go to Europe it's for all of us in the States. You go to Europe and you'll be like, I'll be in Paris and I can't have the cheese or I don't know, whatever people think. Um, you know, these social type of situations or even just people being afraid to conform, uh, not to, I'm sorry, to being afraid not to be in a con- conformist sort of society. I mean, we all are kind of driven to conform is what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it's in our nature to be a part of the group. So, I mean, I remember James Aspie did this one speech on that I saw on YouTube that where he said like vegetarianism is not enough. And he said words, almost probably those words exactly. And I thought, okay, you're right. Like you, he, and he said, you have to do more. And for some reason him being like, he basically called me out and I was like, yeah, I know this is right. Like, yes, James Aspie. Yes. But, um, that was, I was already really into my vegan journey, but it's kind of like, I needed that push to be like, yeah, I don't indulge in like every once in a while dairy. Like I don't. And, um, I'm not going to do like a straddling thing where I've got like one foot in one foot out. I think also that, um, you know, that people are, have different personalities. And so different personalities kind of do better with different approaches. And by having a lot of people in the movement who are not saying you have to do this, I think it also, uh, it lets people get in the door and get interested and get warmed up to the waters in here and to be like, okay, okay, I could try this. I mean, I could kind of do this, you know, without the pressure of being like, are you in, are you out? Are you in, are you out? Which I think is sometimes like the messaging that we get from people who are really like hardcore. I mean, like, look, if I could wave a wand, I'd make the entire planet vegan for all the reasons. And I, you know, it's hard because sometimes I look at people and I'm like, how can you not be vegan? You're like an animal lover. You, you love animals, you know, and and there's a part of me that wants to wag my finger or judge or be like, you're a hypocrite, you know, but I too was once a hypocrite. And, um, you know, and I think that there are so many ways. I think that veganism absolutely has to be cool and approachable and sometimes giving people an ultimatum or being hardcore about it is kind of the antithesis of that in a way. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of points you make there, which I think are just really, really valid. And I've, and I'm very much in agreement with, I think the thing I, the thing I've been wrestling with, recently and you talk about it there which i think was 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 interesting is this this kind of idea of uh it being almost a binary choice of like you're in or you're out um Mm -hmm. and i do think that's dangerous from the point of view that everyone's on a and i'm kind of reluctant to use the word journey because there's a bit of a 2020 kind of buzzwordy type, type thing to say <laughs> everyone's on a journey but um but i do think that that people are in different places and and i think if you take a view that you're uh, you're in or you're out or you're what you're ultimately also saying in that statement is i am right 
and everybody else mm-hmm. who doesn't agree with me is wrong. And and I think, you know, as we just think about the last few months as, you know, since the the murder of George Floyd, for example, and, and what that has awakened in many um in many folks around the world, you know, of of different ethnic backgrounds, whether they're, you know, white folks who are suddenly realizing uh, you know, maybe what they were complicit in, um, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think that the sort of the danger of it is that you, not of that particular piece, but of uh, of thinking that veganism is the, the, the beginning and the end and the right and the wrong, is that you sort of can miss all kinds of other oppressions like racial prejudice for example and um you know gender and so on and so forth and you know even like i I saw a a post today for example which was about chocolate and talking about essentially if you're not buying ethically sourced chocolate or coffee then this is where you're at you know this you, you are complicit in this kind of oppression and it just it, again it was another example of got me thinking of like i'm glad somebody called that out to me and made me think um but there was definitely a sense in my mind of like like almost like where does it where does it end sort of thing like once you you find out one thing you then have to find out you then find out another thing and then you find out another thing and so you, i think it's dangerous to always to, for anyone to make any sort of statement about them being right almost. It's almost like I think we all need to come from a position of I am prepared to be wrong and I'm prepared to be educated in in everything because, you know, there are always folks who, you know, like the, the podcast I did with Carol J. Adams, for example, like was an absolute life lesson and made me think differently about my worldview so i'm sort of reluctant as a result of that to Mm. sort of make any bold statements about you know this is the right way to live and this is the wrong way you know like even with with with, if you think about um like the word vegans being slapped on all sorts of products at the moment and i saw a product line of clothes for example in a british high street retailer that's not that's known for making low-cost fast fashion and what they've essentially done is taken the already plastic handbags that they were selling, realised that if they they can put the word vegan on them because they never had an animal product in them anyway, they were just plastic, you know, faux right. leather handbags, and have then made them seem like this ethical choice. But it's still like a, you know, it's still fast fashion and so on. So there's there's part of me that thinks, you know, if you if you use veganism as a badge of being, you know, righteous, then you're on a slippery slope. Almost, yeah. Uh, if you see what I mean. So I, 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 and that's where I think <laughs> I'm going to come back to the actual question in a minute. But that's where I think when you when I think about the kind of lifestyle influencer kind of vegan is where I, I just, I, I think I'm with you insofar as like, it's, there's, if it's cool, it's going to attract more people in. And what do we ultimately want? Well, we want more people in. We want more people thinking because if they start thinking about animals, they also might then think about racial issues and gender issues and they might think about where their coffee or their chocolate comes from and you know it's a it's a journey yeah so we kind of need those folks 
But with the same token, I kind of feel uncomfortable because it's like, well, you're not really talking about the issues. <laughs> well, uh, you know? yes. So, so that's where I, you know, you're just, you know, you're doing a Pilates session on Instagram <laughs> and, you, you know, wearing the outfit that you've been given by whatever company. Um, and I, I don't know, that, that probably sounds like the ramblings of a madman, but, um, no, no, no. Do, do, you know where, do you know where I'm coming from? Yes. I think that's the, that's the bit that I'm kind of like wrestling with and I don't really have a definitive one, yeah. but, but I'm kind of with you on the, on the grounds of like, I think we do need some of those folks because they do take people on the journey at the beginning. Yes. I was nodding the whole time you were talking, by the way, you can't see it, but I was nodding. <laughs> um, I, I do agree. I think we need everybody. And, um, and the, we definitely need the truth tellers. It's like, you're saying that if we don't know why we're eating vegan, which I, before I became vegan, I literally remember standing in a grocery store, maybe like six months before I even had that first thought about the dairy cows. And I was looking at, these vegan chicken nuggets. And I turned to my mom. I remember like, now I look back and like, this is such, why, how could you not know this, Jen? But I looked at my mom and I was like, why do vegans keep wanting to eat food that tastes and look like animal food? <laughs> and it's like obvious because we become vegan, not because we don't like the taste of these foods. We like the taste, we like the texture, but we just don't agree with it anymore. And, but at the time, like that's how confused I was about what veganism was. That's how ignorant I was to it. I think though, also it's like these truth tellers, the people who make the documentaries, the people who really talk about it in a very open and um, straightforward way also remind us that like, there are environmental injustices. There are racial injustices involved in animal agriculture for all the people who live near these farms, near these factory farms who have health problems because of the air quality is so poor because of the amount of feces and all of, and those, those communities are often people of color, poor people and how it's more than just like animal, cruelty. It is everything. It's how our society is, is, is structured. It's the next pandemic. It's, you know, it's all of these things. They're all these reasons. And yeah, you can't just have the Pilates person wearing the yoga vegan brand. That's been basically like greenwashed or whatever they call it. Um, we need, we need these documentarians and the truth tellers. And like you, you're, I mean, you, you have a podcast talking about these issues. This is a really important work. We need all of it. But even even then, I sort of feel uncomfortable with you know. So I I've been thinking about this recently in terms of like guests, you okay. know, like so uh, you know I have a if I have a guest on that's that ultimately is trying to promote something, you know, a product mm -hmm. or a you know something like that. I I I, I do wrestle with with that, like whether that's. You know, whether I'm doing the right thing in promoting somebody who's selling something or creating, but then, but then I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, well, if, if, you know, what would you rather, you know, they're selling a vegan product, you know, at least that they're not harming an animal or they're, you know, you know, you'd, you'd hope. Yes. Um. So, so it's better that, but then I kind of think, well, the, the capitalist system that we have that causes these oppressions will just replace the animal oppression with another oppression. Mm. And we in the vegan community can be blind to it because we think, well, the word vegans on it, so it must be great. 
And like, that doesn't necessarily always check out, you know, like, yes, you might be helping animals, but you might also be, you know, harming a, a community in, uh, in, a, in, in the, the sort of uh, global South, you know, you, you, there could be all kinds of, or that you don't know what necessarily the environmental sustainability kind of a track record of that business is, you know, the, these kind of things. It's like, it, it's something I, I do wrestle with, you know, as to how, uh, how ethical, you know, even even but even a podcast interview is like who, who am I selecting as as people to ask to be guests? You know, it's, I don't know. Perhaps perhaps I overthink it. I don't. Know. Well, I think this is also something we learn as we go, isn't it? Like I'm learning so much even in 2020 with all the thing we do with George Floyd and all of these things, as we go, we learn, you know, um, like I work with a climate change platform that has a membership. It's called coaching for cause. And we do a membership. It's like an eco membership where we have different coaches coach on different topics within, you know, climate, the climate change, um, problems. So we have people who do plastic stuff. We have people like zero waste stuff, toxins, toxins. I do veganism, um, tourism, like all these different topics, photography, like animal welfare. Um, it's like an endless amount of topics, but what's interesting is like every day I learn something new and it's all things I never knew before. And I feel like I don't know if 2020 is anything to teach us is that we learn as we go, we adjust as we learn and that's the best we can do. You know, like I think with these products, it's like you, you're going to make uh, individual choices each time. And, you know, sometimes these products are great and sometimes they may not be, but maybe what that person has to say is also really important. And I don't know, it's, it's, tr that is tricky. I, that is tricky. I can imagine. I think that's, I think that journey bit is the bit that you that you you land on there that you you're you're on this kind of learning path um and I think I just think sometimes perhaps in the world of social media we don't necessarily show others the same level of kindness when they're on that learning path as we might want to be shown ourselves yes that sort of makes sense you know so like there are things that I'm I'm happy to to be called out on and be educated on and so on and so forth but i i sort of worry you know in the sense that the because of that kind of like binary you're right you're wrong mm -hmm. mindset that there isn't a debate there isn't a discussion or a you know i'm here to educate and this is what i know what do you know let's bring that conversation together that there can be folks who sort of end up falling by the wayside of any of these sort of social justice movements because they sort of feel like, well, I've, you know, I, I'm too scared to make a mistake. So I'm just going to, yes. I'm just going to withdraw from it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think that's a really important point because it is really, um, I think it's scary to put yourself out there on social media. Sometimes people come at you with all sorts of stuff and I can see how some people for sure, um, get nervous about saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Maybe I just don't do anything at all. I think that's really interesting and so true. How have you found that? Because, you know, you, you've, you've built a, a following and a, an incredibly engaging platform to help uh, folks into the world of veganism, help parents, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, how to 
sort of support their their children to thrive on a vegan uh, diet and so on and so forth. How have you found that treading those lines and being engaging and learning as you go and then you know being probably called out (laughs) people coming at you for things and so you know how how has that journey been for you um it's been interesting i think i my instagram what i do i've done a lot of trial and error i think i'm always just trial and error about like how to create content it speaks to people. Um, I used to share just pictures of like what we're eating, what we're doing. And I had another um, account called Food Fit for Kids. And it, that was how I originally started. It was me and a friend of mine and we did just vegan kid food. And it was just pictures of vegan kid food. And we kind of, we had a blog and we shared it and that was fun. And then I, I kind of did more branching out just myself talking. And so I would do these talking videos where I did 60 seconds on a topic. And that was kind of like my... Um, practicing to say it like it is phase. And I would do uh, topics about like, if you're a parent, it's your moral obligation to be vegan if possible. Um, that was one of my topics. And you know, what's interesting is like, that's a really polarizing topic, I think. And I just did 60 seconds of like, if this is the, if this is what the university of Oxford has in the largest study ever done on environmentalism says this is the most impactful thing you can do for climate change. And you're a parent, your job is to protect your child. Then isn't it, wouldn't you say that this is our moral obligation to, to our children? And, um, I just put that one out there to see what people thought and, um, you know, do videos like that. And they were kind of very, um, I don't know. Uh, lots of people liked them. Some people didn't like them and they would comment that they didn't like them. Um, lots of people would repost them to send them to their friends who they thought needed that, that, that lesson. Um, (laughs) and I eventually just stopped doing that type of video. Uh, I, I mean, I got, I got comments and you know, what was interesting about it is that I learned from earthling Ed's videos, how to respond to negative comments, which is like, I genuinely tried to meet people where they were at and to say, like, they would say something crazy, like, uh, not crazy. That's not fair. They would say, they would say like, you're, um, damaging your children by, uh, making them vegan. And then I would say something like, well, you know, like, let's talk about that. Um, my children have a choice, like they have a choice to be vegan. Um, but like, what are you worried is going to happen if they are vegan? And, um, you know, they would come back at me like, well, they're going to have all these nutritional deficiencies. And so, you know, we would go back and forth and, um, I was able to kind of, not everybody obviously, but there were a bunch of people I was able to kind of have a conversation with, and we would both leave respecting each other. And we would both, I would just wear them down kind of like the earthling ed style. (laughs) Like I just asked them another question and then I'd give my response and ask them another question. And it, it got really exhausting to be honest, but it was also good exercise for me to practice having a dialogue with other people who may or may not walk away understanding where I was coming from or seeing things differently. Sometimes people would, and sometimes they wouldn't. And when they did walk away changed a little bit or or not necessarily changed. That's kind of, um, very conceited, I guess, sounding, but like maybe they'd walk away, like retracting the comment. Cause sometimes people would retract the comment. They'd be like, Whoa, I'm sorry. I didn't understand or something like that. Um, 
I would feel so good about my, I don't know, like debating skills. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that it's, it's, um, it's, it's, if anything, I mean, we're going through Trump. I know you had another guest talking about this. If anything in 2020, I'm learning that like having really good conversations with people who don't believe the same thing you believe is so vital. It's so vital to be able to talk with someone else and not try to manipulate them and not try to, um, I don't know, uh, steamroll them or shout louder than them, but to really kind of um, want to understand them and then share why you feel the way you feel, you know? And, um, I mean, as far as social media goes, going back to the original question, cause I feel like I've kind of walked away from it a little bit. I think, um, I, you know, I don't know if the internet, the internet is absolutely a great place to have conversations about veganism because you, you reach a lot of people. And I think that's vital. I think also though, it can be a really hard place, um, because people are, feel so emboldened to just say whatever they want without any sort of repercussion. Um, so I was hired by TikTok to create content about veganism. They started this, they started this initiative where they wanted to have educational content on TikTok. They didn't want it to be known. This was about five months ago. They didn't want to be known as just like the place where people dance. They wanted this. So they hired all these people. They reached out to people that were like, Oh, what you do is interesting. Let's, and it was not, it, uh, I think I may have been the only person in that batch of people for this initiative that was actually doing veganism. I think people did like all sorts of things. They had people who do crafts and people who do, I don't know, science, like science teachers and all sorts of things. Right. And so TikTok hired me. They were like, we want you to teach people about climate change and veganism. I was like, great. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. Thank you. Um, so I started, <laughs> I started by, um, putting a, vid a video together with me and my son, uh, who's eight at the time. And I said, why are you vegan? It's just uh, the two of us in the video. Why are you vegan? And then he said, I'm vegan for the animals. I'm vegan because it's healthy. I'm vegan for the planet or something very simple like that. Cause you know, it's TikTok, And they said, we want you to educate people, but you have to do it in 15 <laughs> seconds or less. And so I said, okay. Um, so they were like, 15 seconds is the sweet spot. You have to hit 15 seconds. So, um, and that video ended up hitting 700,000 views before I took it down and, uh, left my contract with TikTok. And the reason was because we got so much hate. Like there was so much bullying. My son never saw the response of the people. My son doesn't have social media. He's eight years old, but like people were so cruel to him in the responses um, and it kind of went viral and it was escalating to a point where I thought, oh my God, like even the managers, cause you're hired by like a, it, I was hired by an agent, an agency, like a, like a talent agency in Los Angeles. And they were like, oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Your, your video is going viral. This is great. And I'm like, yeah, but have you read the comments? And they read the, co they looked at me and he was like, yeah, this is, I mean, this is really mean. Like they were saying really mean things about my son. Like, um, like what does he floss his teeth with? like a mattress. Cause he has like a big gap in his two front teeth. And, um, like you're, you're going to be that wimpy kid in school. Um, and I mean, those are probably the lighter ones, but there, there were more like, there were some that were like, I'm going to take an AK 47 and find you and shoot you. Um, 
And, uh, that was the one that stopped me. we got a couple of the, like, I'm going to threaten to kill you. Like I'm going to, I'm going to invite all my friends to come and kill you. And I thought, wow, the culture here is really disturbing. And so I'm out. Like, and I deleted the video cause I didn't want people to repost it and manipulate it. Cause you can do that on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I had a couple other videos that were just like in a supermarket. Here are the good vegan cheeses. Let me show you the good vegan cheeses. So you buy the real, the ones that I think are really good and you don't end up buying the ones that I think don't taste that good, you know, and a couple other videos like that. But the reality was that, um, it was sad. I felt deeply saddened. Um, and I talked to other activists, vegan activists, and they all said who are on TikTok and, um, whom you might know. And they were saying like, yeah, that, that, those are the responses I get too. I just keep posting the videos. Um, and because I'm a mom and because he's a little boy, you know, I thought, well, yeah. I've, I've, I've obviously used his, his, um, I've used him for this video because I thought maybe young people would like it and be like, Oh, or maybe other parents would be like, Oh, there's, there's vegan kids who are happy. But in the end I was like, Oh, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. So, um, so that's a really roundabout way of sharing a little bit about my experience online. Most of it's positive quite, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm a too sensitive a soul to, to, to get engaged with it to that level because I, I don't, yeah, like I, I, I definitely don't think I'd be uh, mentally robust enough to cope with that kind of, especially not with your son. It's the, it's next level, isn't it? Yeah. Like how, what's kind of driven you to to carry on you know and to keep making content you know because i imagine even now you probably there's probably the odd thing that you might get i mean it's obviously hopefully not involving your kids and stuff but you know what what sort of motivated you to go on was it was it simply a case of the cause is too great to stop yeah, it pretty much is i really feel like this is the gift i can give my kids Like I want to do everything I can possibly do before I die to ensure that we all take climate change seriously and that we all do our best to make the world a better place for them. And I feel like if I'm not actively working towards that every day that I'm dropping the ball. And I don't think that every parent has to feel that way. Um, That's just kind of how I feel, you know? I mean, it's, um, it's really sad. I think I, I, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't know how you feel about this, but like, I did not understand climate change the way I understand it now when I had my first child. And now I wonder, I I think I still would have had kids, but I wonder like, would I have like, it was like ignorance is bliss. I knew climate change was bad, but I I'm scared for them now, I guess I should say, like in a way that I wasn't when I, when I had them and when I planned to have them. And now I feel like, oh, I brought you here and I owe it to you to do whatever I can do to turn this ship around. And I know that my part to play is very small, but it's like a ripple effect. You know, I want to try to have a little bit of a ripple effect. So that's why I keep going. And and that's why I keep exploring new ways to try to do it, to try to get the word out there. You know, what about you? Yeah, I I feel, I feel similar. Like that's kind of, you know, partially the, 
not partially it's got a, a big reason that I've wanted to do something in my own way you know I never felt I've never felt particularly comfortable uh and I, I always sort of feel bad about this that I don't feel comfortable with it and I feel like I need to kind of get over that at some point but I've never felt as comfortable with the kind of like direct action uh route you know like I've got a, a, an enormous amount of um uh, respect for folks who do like um there's a lot of hunt sabs that I know out here so who who go and um sabotage um fox hunts and um and things like that and uh grouse shoots and you know all these you know they direct the direct action to protect animals and so on and um you know whether it be animal rebellion or stink extinction rebellion and the kind of you know being prepared to be arrested in central london um you know for for the for the kind of cause of climate change and and reversing it I've never felt as as comfortable with that sort of thing, and so, but I did feel like a, a compelling urge to do something, and I suppose the the podcast was a way to to go about doing that. It never feels like a, enough, though. But I definitely relate to that sense that you that you talk about that um, understanding climate change more. The more you think about it, the more terrifying the the idea of it is. And you know you, the 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 clock that's been put up in Times Square, you know, is that sort of stark reminder of whatever we're on now, seven or eight years left. And then you think about like the upcoming election, and you know that potentially shapes the next four years of of policy from one of the biggest countries in the world that, in many ways, sets the tone for the for the West and so on. It, it's 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 terrifying. Um, and you know, I, th- I think about the uh, the way that the world is polarizing around something like COVID, and you know how people yeah. are feeling about that. And I kind of think that it, this is this will pale in insignificance to the upheaval that that something like um, you know some serious the serious impacts of climate change can have, and is already having. You know, look at the the, the wildfires we've seen in. Australia this year, um, which is you know almost been completely forgotten because it was right. it, yeah because it was like January you know uh, obviously as you, as you you well know more, more so than me the west coast of the states there's been forest fires in Siberia of all places you know there's there's these kind of things and that's just the beginning of it um, yeah I definitely have that sense of fear that makes me think I need to I need to do more than I'm than I'm currently doing that's definitely uh, on my mind, you know, outside of even, you know, solar panels on the roof and, and electric cars and all these kind of things, but going vegan, but yeah, you know, that's even that is, that's just us. I kind of think, well, I need to make a bigger splash than that. I need to make bigger changes, but how, how to do it and how to do it effectively, I go, I suppose is the thing that, um, rattles around my mind quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, it is really, it's really scary. It is really scary. And I think the, the, for me, like not to get all down about it, but in 2020, just watching a uh, COVID become so politicized and, um, people being 
you know, the smaller things like, Oh, just wear a mask. And people saying like, that's my right not to wear a mask. And I'm thinking, man, like if we can't just come together and do the simplest of things, what, how are we going to tackle climate change? Like it's, it's no skin off your nose to wear a mask. It's, it's not, um, it's not a big ask, but in my country, I'm noticing a lot of selfishness and people who, um, who don't want to band together or they want to band together in hate or their own, um, I don't know, like ego driven ideologies, their anti-Semitism. And, uh, I, you know, it's very, it's very sad over here, but in the end, I, I have I, done a lot of research recently on, um, how people have dealt like historically, how people have dealt in massive, uh, crisis. So I even looked back at like World War II and like, how did people cope and were there conspiracy theories then? And like, you know, I'm just curious to see, is this just part of human nature? And then what did they do to prevail? And it's really fascinating to go back and, and look, and it's given me comfort because even though there are things like conspiracy theories back then, and they were um, people who um, denied the Holocaust and people who wouldn't take action in the end, you know, goodness prevailed. And I really do have hope that we will prevail. I really do. I don't know how to make the biggest impact. Like you said, I, I'm always asking myself the same thing. Like, how do I, how do I be a better parent? Like, how do I be in the sense of like, how do I be a better activist to be a better parent, to in, ensure that my kids have a planet they can live on? And I think part of that is, um, I don't know, maybe all of us just having that question will lead to more answers, like lead to an unfolding. I definitely think, you, you know, you've got a, a, you're absolutely right about this lack of empathy, whether it's sort of um, perpetuated, driven by some of the stuff we talked about around social media and, uh, you know, the fact that we live our life lives were in communication behind behind firewalls if you like and we're not necessarily you know eye to eye as much um but yeah you, you definitely you look at something like covid and you know the simple act of wearing a mask is seen as has been politicized in this kind of very ugly ugly way and and i've even seen that actually cross over into a lot of um vegan folks I see online as well mm. you know that 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 there's a almost a almost dis, the way I describe it is that they've gone so far left that they've gone right again yes um that yes that they that there's sort of almost a view of like this is this must be and it, I almost equate it to like well I learned the truth about the animal agriculture industry this and so everything is potentially a, a conspiracy yeah and I and I kind of think, you know, it, it's it's clearly not. If you've if you've known anyone who's had it or have, have known a, somebody who's lost a loved one, it's you know, it's not. <laughs> it's it's not that at all. Um, and and yet uh, that that perpetuates in the in the community a little bit, I think, and almost troublingly so. We had a an anti-mask rally in central London. Whoa, uh, that was. I think it was like height of lockdown, so probably a couple of months back. But really interestingly, so you had 
sort of folks who would probably describe themselves on the far left politically. And then you had, um, and it was the, I think it was the first time this flag has been seen since the 1930s, and it was quite scary, was the, the British Union of Fascists flag, which was essentially uh, the kind of um, Oswald Mosley, who was a politician at the time in Britain, who wanted essentially us to get into the the British to get into bed with Hitler, mm. um, and had formed this party called the British Union of Fascists, and this flag was was prominent in this in this protest, and and it, it, it that that sort of stuff does does trouble me that people are so concerned with their individual liberty, that their individual freedom, that they don't want to um, that their sense of community, their sense of empathy is gone. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't have my freedoms impinged upon. And then you think, well, if if all it is is a mask, then what chance do we stand with climate change? But I think I, I love your point about look back through history as a kind of guide because these things do tend to be cyclical and do tend to repeat themselves. And I hope that um, good will prevail. You know, I think I think that's... I almost think there's a choice like do you think about it negatively and throw your hands in the air or do you think about it with optimism I think there's, there's only one way to look at it really that's productive yes <laughs> yeah what choice do we have really <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting I've been really disappointed honestly in in oh gosh in everything you just mentioned I saw this Venn diagram that was really interesting um it was like a three, you know, like a Venn diagram is like three of those, like three circles, one overlapping, yeah. right? So, um, for anyone who doesn't know. And so on the one far right circle, it was like people who are far right, people who are, um, uh, yeah, like very, very conservative. They are anti-gay, anti-abortion, all these other things. Right. And then the far left circle was what they called new age, and I don't know if that's the correct terminology. I don't want to offend anybody who sees themselves as new age and does not feel like this fits their description, but that's what they called it, new age. And it was people who are so far to the left um, that, um, I don't even know, actually, I don't even know if saying so far to the left is accurate, but they are people who um, are prone to conspiracy thinking, um, very much into like, um, if I think about it hard enough, it'll manifest for me. If I, um, uh, people who cherry pick science, so they might be like into animal agriculture science, like they understand why veganism is like, is good for the environment. But at the same time, they, um, uh, you know, do not think that epidemiology, the study of pandemics is real. Um, so it, it, and then they come together in the middle circle kind of, um, yeah, being in this place where they've, they basically have two opposing ideas because maybe the, the, the circle on the left, the new age people are very pro gay, pro trans, pro abortion, all the, all the left leaning things, um, believe in climate change. The, uh, the right circle does not. And yet, their actions become the same because for some reason mm. they both feel threatened and they both feel like this is a hoax and this is fake. And this is, um, you know, coming from higher ups who are part of a satanic cult and, um, these stories that are inaccurate and therefore just can't do the basic, simple things we need to do to, um, combat this problem. So I thought that was really fascinating because lately I've, I've kind of had to, 
look this up on an intellectual level and kind of try to understand like, why, why is this so hard for some people? Because I need to know just for my own personal curiosity. I thought that was interesting. It is, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And it, yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it's exactly the, the kind of the thing that was buzzing around in my mind. You've put it, put it kind of beautifully, I think of, of the, the sort of things on, I'm seeing from that, you know, a lot of those folks I, I follow on social media or even folks I've, you know, been, been friends with and, you know, I would have thought on 99% of issues have agreed with and then whatever it is about kind of COVID and so on has, has brought out a lot of those uh, interesting views. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and definitely centered some of those people around some, some troubling ideologies, you know, even even seeing kind of things like QAnon reposts from folks who would generally like, you know, be on the on the on the left leaning side of things. It's, it's really, really kind of fascinating, like you say, looking at the the sort of almost the sociology of it. Yeah, I've had I've looked it up for the same reasons, just knowing people personally who've gone down that road and being so surprised and being so confused. Like, how did you how did you get there? You know? Yeah, yeah, but there's definitely people I think looking to manipulate that. You know, the the looking to spread that disinformation and realizing almost the hooks to get to different uh, folks within the community. You know, those that, like you say, those folks who are perhaps, um, uh, you know, they would see themselves as natural questioners of the status quo. You know, and I think the the vegan community, quote unquote, has, you know, is, is full of folks who would, who would consider, you know, I would myself, you know, consider myself somebody who questions things. But um, I think sometimes when you, you're selective, like you say, in terms of what you, you choose to use as evidence, then it, then that can be quite, quite troubling and you can end up in a, in a sort of a very strange place. Yes. But let's, um, <laughs> let's hang on to our optimism and hope though because i think it's the way to, the way to go yes i agree i agree but jen we've um we're we're at, at a really good time actually i haven't realized how, how long we've been chatting but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um and uh i think We've we maybe started off on one journey and we've ended up all in all kinds of different wonderful places. So I hope <laughs> I, th I think we'll have to we'll have to do a part two at some point and get to some of the subjects we originally planned. But, um, <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I would love to do that. <laughs> but it's been it's been great chatting to you. For for the folks who who would love to find out a little bit more and see some of your your content online. Uh, maybe get in touch with you around the coaching stuff, you know, where would they head? Um, yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Jen Douglas Craig. And, um, I, yeah, like I said before, I work with coaching for cause, which is also on Instagram, just like that coaching for cause. And we do an eco monthly membership where I teach webinars and everybody kind of takes turns teaching webinars. Um, so you can look it up that way as well. Um, but thank you so much for having me on. This has been a great discussion and, um, I look forward to more. Oh, it's been awesome chatting with you, Jen. Thank you so much. And, uh, Hope you and the family stay stay safe and well, and let's hope for a half decent outcome next week. Oh, yeah, election. Yes, well. yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>